This podcast was recorded in a Zoom meeting with the Hartford Street Zen Center Sangha. Please visit hszc.org for information about how to join our online programs or to make a contribution. We depend on the generosity of our members and supporters, especially during this challenging time. Thank you. So I haven't uh, talked to you in a while, and uh, as a result, the the, uh, eeriness of communicating this way has returned strongly. So um, here we are in some slightly altered universe. conversing, so to speak, with one another through the generosity of the electrons. So uh, thank you, electrons, and um, uh, whatever else is going on on the quantum level. Um, uh, In the past uh, week or or 10 days, my my clergy organization, or one of them, the Soto Zen Buddhist Association, uh, is um, uh, collecting um, uh, Dharma talks on the topic of um, racism and and the recent events. So. Uh, I think they are available if people want to uh, go to the SCBA website, which is just S, S is in Sam, C is in Zebra, B is in Bob, A is in Apple, dot O-R-G. Uh, I think there's a whole library of them now. And I'm sure you're welcome to listen. Uh, uh, you, unless you're a member, you're, you will be spared the avalanche of emails that have been flying back and forth, um, indicating uh, a degree of people being a little bit bit worked up, understandably. And now there's also a um, uh, kind of a, a whole shelf of recommended readings and I, I, I want to confess, I haven't done any of them at all. And I, I probably won't. Um, not because I'm a, a closet Republican or something, but um, uh, in the context of our Buddhist practice, this, the, the, the issue of Racism doesn't seem to be all that complicated to me. Um, It seems very, very much to be the case that racism begins at home. It always has and always will. Uh, And if we are absorbing racist attitudes in our home, uh, from other family members, for instance, that does that winds up being some very deep-seated patterning. 
Um, the household I grew up in was um, a little odd since my mother was a uh, lifelong Democrat and my father was a lifelong Republican. And I'm actually, I have no idea how those two got together, quite frankly. But somehow they managed to. Um, nonetheless, I do not recall any, um, any uh, overt racist attitudes being expressed in my household. So does that mean that I, you know, avoided the taint altogether? No, I'm afraid not. Um, because there are uh, racist attitudes embedded in our society uh, from its earliest days. And this is a, a dreadful shame and a horrible embarrassment. And there is no excuse really. In terms of practice though, it's, it doesn't seem to be all that complicated. If as practitioners, we accept that racism begins at home and nowadays, most of us aren't living with our parents, We're living in our, our households as, as adults in our own right. Uh, racism starts in our own hearts. So maybe uh, in other environments, it's necessary to mount uh, a sophisticated intellectual challenge to racism and its various economic sociological underpinnings. But I think for us practitioners, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, for myself, uh, it wasn't too much of a struggle to accept that I grew up in a racist society and that this manifests from time to time, all but automatically. So what I had to do was to be willing to notice that and to be willing to to look carefully at my responses to people of color under all manner of circumstances. And when various kinds of, of bias uh, to which we as practitioners should be quite accustomed to noticing, actually, quite frankly, our various biases, uh, when that manifests, to understand it in terms of an inheritance from a racist society and be willing not to be moved in the direction of that bias. So for me, that, that is uh, the essence of the challenge for a practitioner of the Buddha way. There is certainly no sense in which uh, for a follower of Buddha's way we can excuse uh, just rolling along with our racist habits. That is simply, there is no way that's acceptable. So then this just becomes another uh, uh, challenge in the, in the sense of 
the practice of our precepts. And in uh, the context of the Bodhisattva vow to bring all beings to a place of freedom, to complete liberation. So again, in that way, it's not so complicated. Uh, still, if, if uh, people want to tackle that shelf full of books, then by all means, and, and if, if people want to listen to many, many other Dharma talks, by all means do so. But um, I was trying not to get too tied up in all of the many, many ways one can approach this topic. And um, from my own perspective, a little bit of, of simplicity is maybe helpful. So I, I am willing, I have been willing, I, I will continue to be willing to notice uh, the patterning in my own mind, my own heart uh, that I have inherited in this society to notice it and to challenge it on a completely personal level. Uh, the racism that begins at home right here. And I, I invite all of us as followers of the Buddha way to do likewise. I kind of don't imagine that's a real problem for most of you. Maybe I'm wrong, but pardon me. That's kind of what it boils down to. Um, feel free to, to disagree if you think I'm missing the point. Um, uh, lately, I've been working a lot with the, the teaching, which is, I'm, I'm sure, very familiar to you now. Uh, the teaching of following the stream to the source. And in, in our, our sitting practice, um, the, there is, there's a remarkable source uh, in this body-mind from which the world uh, emerges. And attending carefully that process is the anchor of, uh, well, uh, initially, the, the practice of uh, smurti or sati, which uh, you probably know is, is uh, usually number seven in Buddha's Eightfold Path. Uh, I translated as, as mindfulness, a, a word which I think pretty well now is being done to death in various contexts. Uh, also, the Western, uh, Western flavored translation is recollection, which I find actually quite helpful. Uh, and that anchor is then becomes a, um, uh, a, a, I don't know what, the point of, of contact uh, from which samadhi springs. Samadhi, of course, being the, the um, condition uh, of the body-mind at its most settled which I submit is a, 
um, a natural and innate quality of the body-mind rather than necessarily a, uh, a product of acquiring certain arcane mental skills. Okay, so in, in our approach to sitting, mostly uh, we don't hand out exercises for people to accomplish. Um, uh, we, we have such uh, practices which are, as far as we can tell, ancient and well-established, such as counting the breath or following the breath. I wish I didn't have the sun in my eye. I guess maybe if I There we go. Okay. Um, and that's certainly available, but mostly we encourage people to allow the body-mind to settle of itself, which it most certainly will do. Um, and in the process of this settling, the settling, the marvelous source uh, reveals itself. Of course, it's always present. But it's quite amazing uh, uh, during uh, sitting, maybe it's easiest to see during sitting, but it doesn't have to be only during sitting. Um, we can, uh, we can uh, develop an appreciation for how the, uh, the universe is using, or rather, I don't know, let's see how to say, uh, for the universe, each body-mind is, is like a musical instrument. And the universe is playing this remarkable music through each of us. And each musical score, if you like, is completely unique. No two are alike at all. Uh, recently, I've been reflecting on how uh, no two sentient beings anywhere in the universe are identical. Uh, each of you, each of us is completely unique, which is kind of amazing when you get right down to it. And each unique melody is being played by the universe through this body-mind, moment after moment. And to sit as the melody unfolds is uh, what we call zazen. As such, it is the most natural of practices. There's nothing artificial about it. Uh-oh. Somebody's, somebody's calling me and I don't know how to hang up on them. Let's see, where is that? Hang on, shut up, there we go. I have no idea who that was or what that was about. I beg your pardon. Also, I can't answer those calls, even though they ring rock, you know, raucously in my, my headset. I can't answer them. So anyway, all I can do is hang up rudely, which I did. So that's not what I meant by the music of the spheres. <laughs> that's not what I was talking about. Golly, you all look kind of grim this morning. Not all of you, just, just some of you. So. Uh, maybe I'm being boring. Uh, if, 
Anyone that would like to suggest a change of topic or ask a penetrating question or demonstrate their understanding of the Buddha way, I'm happy to uh, interrupt my patter here. Well, you're all still muted. Oh, Texigen san. Oh, and Hokai san. Uh, uh, I, I depend on the engineer to uh, uh, monitor the hands waving. So, uh, 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 Tetsugan or Hokai san, one or the other, please. Go ahead. You sure? All right. Um, I'm not going to demonstrate my understanding. Sorry. Um, I don't know if I would succeed in demonstrating my understanding. So more of just a thank you, first of all. I, I appreciate and like the approach um, about the racism and about, you know, bringing that back to my own home and, and you know, sort of dealing with it there. The only thing is, you know, I guess I, I'm constantly sort of plagued by what do I do outwardly? I was, you know, talking, we were talking earlier, Shinno's neighborhood has been kind of overrun by a lot of suffering, you know, people in um, tents and on the street and a lot of drugs. And yesterday I was taking a little walk um, in our own boarded up neighborhood here and um, passed a gentleman, you know, pushing a, some kind of a drug and dropping it into a, you know, into a needle. And, um, you know, I certainly have noticed that over time that kind of stuff used to kind of generate a feeling of disgust and sort of almost anger even at people when I would see things like that in the neighborhood. But anymore, yes. um, I can definitely feel that has softened and I sort of feel like I get it. I, well, I don't get it, but I feel like I can more understand why they might want to have that escape. So I guess, you know, I guess the question is, yeah, what do I, how do I best, you know, get my house in order, but then, I don't know. I, this, what, can I, how can I approach the world in a way that is outwardly reaching or mm -hmm. helping or mm -hmm. the next step for me, I guess? Well, um, especially now, I, um, I, I, don't, I don't find it in me to be much of an activist. Uh, when I was much younger, I, I did do some of that, and uh, when I was 15, I, I helped blockade the ROTC building at Stanford University. <laughs> when I look back on it, kind of ridiculous, but anyway, I did do that, and uh, numbers of other things. Right now, uh, as you know, I'm a person who is definitely, uh, you know, definitely on the outskirts of old age. Really getting there. Um, uh, how I manage my own life space is is most critical. So uh, when I find that I am irritated, for instance, by by some of the homeless folks in our neighborhood, that's where I deal with it, and uh, as as quickly and as effectively as I can by letting that emotional impulse pass through. If it's already arising, you know, you can't really strangle it or kill it, right? That's just not gonna work. Best to let it expire like a breath going out and do not, you know, I'm quite 
try to be as strict as I can with myself and do not feed it. Right? Do not feel justified. Uh, or start adding to that, oh, that horrible person, blah, blah, blah. You know? After all, all of this that we are seeing now has been going on all along. Just now we're seeing it, right? Which is harder for some of us who have grown up in a more, uh, you know, antiseptic and housebroken neighborhood. I grew up in San Mateo Park and then Hillsboro, and there weren't any homeless people anywhere. Uh, and the drug use was all going on in suburban living rooms and kitchens and so forth. Uh, alcohol was the drug of choice, and boy, was there a lot of drinking. I mean, now looking back, it's just kind of horrified. Uh, but that was quite accepted. A lot of drinking, a lot of smoking, a lot of pills. Uh, and I didn't think anything of it then. Now I see, well, it's just the same thing. You know, it's more expensive stuff, that's all. So uh, as an expression of the suffering of beings, I think it's good that we see it and see that it's happening and have an opportunity to look at our, or I have an opportunity to look at my responses to that. And I, I, uh, you know, I spent a couple of years uh, at, um, uh, the Larkin Street Youth Center in the Tenderloin, uh, working with uh, street kids. And I felt like that was, that was worthwhile work and I'm glad I did it, but I'm not really in a position to do that kind of thing anymore. So um, what I keep, I have an inner prayer, which I recite over and over again, and which seems, you know, basically hopeless prayer. And that prayer is, Raise my fucking taxes, would you? Raise my taxes and deal with this. You know, that's, that's how it's going to work. A, a, a problem of this extent has to be handled by a government. Right? A government has to be involved in gathering and managing the resources. Right? This is a nationwide, or if you like, worldwide problem. Right? So please, raise my taxes and do something with this money, because I don't know what to do, quite frankly beyond what I'm describing, beyond taking good care of my own heart and making sure that I am not adding to the problem. Right? So uh, anyway, I think I, I, I don't know, I should shut up and, and uh, thank you for your question. <laughs> good, good response, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, there are just moments where I feel a little overwhelmed with the desire that, and wish that I could do more. Well, there certainly are, as they say, volunteer opportunities if, if someone wants to do that. And, and those, yes, okay, there's small ways to help. But goodness knows, probably any, any help is, is to some extent beneficial. Uh, I also, uh, I know this is kind of silly, it's a little silly. Tibetans won't think so, but maybe we, we uh, maybe Westerners don't, don't find it very helpful. But uh, now whenever I pass, a homeless person or a tent or, you know, someone sleeping on the sidewalk, I always recite the six syllable mantra as I go by over and over again. And this is, you know, kind of to benefit them, but it's mostly to engage the heart of compassion over and over and over. Since the lack of that is where these, these tight fisted 
unyielding, ungiving attitudes are coming from, right? There is no universal cure for greed, hatred, and confusion, except enlightenment, as far as I know. So, okay, let's, or we are orienting ourselves over and over again towards the Buddha way and, and saving all beings. Uh, um, and uh, doing our best to administer the medicine to cure greed, hatred, and confusion. Uh, and then from that effort, the, the impulse and the possibility of being helpful emerges as I see it. You know, that's just my point of view. Hokai-san, did you want to comment? Okay, thanks. Yeah, I just had a comment about the, the first part you were talking about. The, you know, I, I, I understand that racism begins in the household. And the interesting thing is, you know, what I've been reflecting on and, um, you know, being a Euro-American, being a white person, the privileges that I've had and not even thinking of that being racism, but the, the privileges that I have are because of this systemic racism and feeling that I need to, you know, lift up people of color and, um, yeah, by not doing anything about it means that, that I'm also complicit in this, having this, um, this privilege, you know, the privilege of my, my whole life of, you know, being able to go to college, live, you know, just what, whatever, um, I've been given. So I've been, I've been thinking about that. So I don't know if that, not that I'm, um, you know, as an individual, you know, racist or, you know, but more that, but by being part of the society, if I don't fight against it, then I'm, I'm part of that system, which is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, this, this notion of uh, white privilege, that's one aspect of uh, the whole question that was somewhat new to me and that I've, I've actually also found quite useful. Uh, the other day, I was uh, taking my walk, um, was out by Dolores Park, and um, uh, I was crossing the street and a police car uh, turned in front of me. And the, the, there were two cops in the car and they slowed down and one of them kind of stuck his head out the window and stared at me and then said something quickly to the driver and they went, they went sailing on. And for a moment, I didn't think about that. And then I thought, oh, wait a minute. What if I were a person of color? And I noticed I was carrying a kind of hiking stick in one hand. And I had a sort of a uh, over one shoulder kind of man purse thing where, where I carry uh, my telephone and stuff. And uh, it occurred to me that maybe the policeman was wondering, what's that thing that he's carrying? And is there something in that, uh, that bag over his shoulder? And if I were a person of color, would he have stopped and said, all right, buddy, let's, uh, you know, up against the car. And I realized this is exactly what's meant by white privilege. They didn't stop me. They just went, they just went driving on. And I continued with my walk. Um, but I, you know, it didn't occur to me right then, and it doesn't particularly now, that there was something I should have done differently. For example, stood there with my my hiking stick and said, "Boy, if I were black, you would have you would have stopped, wouldn't you?" You know, I didn't think that would have been very helpful, probably. But this noticing, as I as I said, noticing uh, in addition to my racist impulses, noticing when I am escaping 
based on white privilege is part of that exercise of introspection. And uh, the most, for me right now, the most helpful thing I can do. Um, I can't undo the various ways I have benefited from that privilege that I, that I understand now. I, I can't see a way to undo it or that that would be helpful. But um, I've told this story before. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm old now, so I can tell stories more than once. But I, I told you guys about um, uh, when I was in South Carolina years ago. And um, uh, of course, it was bloody hot, the way it always seems to be there. And I, I, uh, I saw a, a store, a corner store, and I uh, went in to get a drink. And this uh, black kid, about, I don't know, 10 years old, he went in ahead of me. And so I'm just standing in line the way I do anywhere. And the uh, proprietor uh, ignores the kid and says, can I help you, sir? And I had a uh, kind of a moment of panic. <laughs> I, I was going to say, oh, no, you can help him. And I thought, that's not going to work here. That will just cause some sort of upset. It'll probably be worse for the kid if I do that. So I just went along with it. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not sure what else I could have done under those circumstances. But at least at that point, I realized something was wrong here. And at that moment, that was all I could do. And I, uh, that was years and years ago. Uh, and I continue to do that. Uh, and I will continue to do that. And I'm thinking that, you know, if there are other things that I should be doing, the universe will probably tell me sooner or later. But to some extent, the universe is saying, okay, you're old now, get out of the way and let some people who, you know, can really accomplish stuff do something. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing about the stick is you probably, oh, sorry, Juan wants to say something, but I'll just, if you're African American, you might not want to carry a stick walking in the city. Right. Yeah. yeah Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think that mindfulness is really great. And that's, that's, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, that's our, an obligation on all of us, as I understand it. Uh, Wanton, did you want to say something? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very glad that you, you gave this couple of examples, Mio, because um, so I think like during your talk, you were talking about a lot about whenever racism arises in our own minds, right? Um, and I think that's very helpful. But honestly, for me in this last couple of days, um, the biggest struggle was whenever I saw racism happening. Well, not even like explicit racism, but right like this emphasis on like what matters are kind of like the the rights of the cops or like the, the rights of the black people. Um, and I struggle a lot on whether or not I should intervene and what I was, what, what I was seeing. Um, and I think my default is not to intervene because I think this person is not going to hear me. It's just going to make this person even like more extreme. Yeah. Um, and, and then I shut off and then I punish myself for shutting off. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, Honestly, I wonder sometimes if I just should experiment more and see how it feels if I just intervene, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, yeah, I'm just, 
wondering if you have something to say about this. Well, um, all of you, I think, you know, you're familiar with the iconography of, of the Buddha Dharma and um, you, you've all seen the um, uh, paintings of, uh, for instance, of Lukiteshvara, uh, especially the one with the thousand hands and, and a thousand eyes. And um, Avalokiteshvara, of course, uh, symbolizes um, the aspect of the awakened mind that always intervenes skillfully. Right? Um, and for most of us, certainly for me, I cannot claim to have uh, access to that skillful awakened mind at all times. And if I don't, then I need to be very careful if I'm planning on intervening some way or, or, or uh, entering some kind of situation uh, that I, I, I have some confidence that it's not going to make things worse. Right? And if I don't have that confidence, at least for me nowadays, I'm, I won't, you know, I will uh, uh, try to find some other way of um, responding to the situation uh, rather than take a chance of making things worse. Um, I, don't ha I don't encounter too many examples of that in my life, but not so long ago, uh, there was an incident where um, there was, I think, a, a guy, he was actually you know, maybe a white guy, he might have been Hispanic, I'm actually not sure, uh, right over here at uh, Castro Market. And he was like maybe really high on something. Uh, and I don't exactly remember how it started, but he wound up kind of running through the traffic. And there were these, these uh, two policemen who were chasing him, um, uh, uh, you know, try, trying to keep him from getting run over, among other things. Um, uh, but it wasn't clear, they weren't exactly, it, it, I, I couldn't say that they were being particularly skillful, let's put it that way. And so, um, uh, at, at, at that point, I started filming with my phone. And that was about all I could see to do. You know, I wasn't going to run out in the street and say, uh, now, gentlemen, uh, be calm, you know, or something like that. Uh, but I did take a movie of it just in case. Uh, and something like that may be, you know, if not always possible, often possible, especially if one is not by oneself. You know, if you are by yourself, it's pretty easy to make yourself a target. And let's see, would that be helpful? Well, not necessarily. But if there's a group of people and you're one of them, and maybe taking a movie is something that, that is fairly easy to do nowadays, uh, and making a record of something that's happening. And that could turn out to be um, crucially important to someone down the line somewhere. So uh, those sorts of things are maybe not so risky, but to to walk into a situation and, and um, you know, if I, I, I stroll up and say, excuse me, I'm a priest of Buddha, perhaps I can help. You know, I think that probably would not be very helpful, except maybe once in a great while. And I hope if there is such an occasion, I'll be able to recognize it and, and be able to intervene or to allow a skillful intervention to manifest through me, if possible. But some amount of care, especially nowadays, is necessary to avoid aggravating things. 
So that's, you know, nothing too brilliant there, but that's what occurs to me. Uh, Cheryl Sign? Um, your comments um, and, and um, Juan's comments, they're kind of bringing up for me, there's so many of these instances of such horror that are being filmed. And then of course, you know, those films are, are out in the world and creating change, but how, I don't, I don't even know how to f ask this um, quite, but it's like someone was filming eight minutes and 46 seconds of someone being murdered. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they stop it? Well, a number of people did. And the film includes people saying, you know, you're hurting him, get off him. Yeah, I haven't been able to watch the whole thing. I've just yeah. seen snips, but yeah, yeah I, you know, it's kind of on. like where, where is it that, you know, that, that place of witness yes. versus participant. And it, it just, it, it, I just, you know, for myself, it's confusing. Like, when mm -hmm. do I walk by? When do I stop? You know, mm -hmm. when do I ask someone, do you need something? Yeah. Can I help you out there, man? Yeah. Or... You know. Well, again, there is no formula that I know of. Uh, and our, the, the greatest gift we can, I can give is to cultivate the heart of compassion as much as possible so that if there is an occasion where I encounter a circumstance where a, uh, a helpful response is available, I can do that. I can allow that to happen. But I don't know how common that is, quite frankly. If you're a, now if you're a policeman, you actually might have many more opportunities for a helpful response. And um, I'm recalling uh, years ago when I first lived here at Hartford Street and uh, there was a, a chap here who uh, tended to kind of make a nuisance of himself. Um, and uh, he was determined that then Abbott Zenshin Whalen be his teacher, and Zenshin Whalen was not interested in it at all. So this fellow would come and sit on the Zendo steps outside the door and just sit there, and he was not allowed to come in the building. And so finally, some uh, another another resident who was here at the time took to calling the police. <laughs> I'm not sure that was helpful at all, but anyway, the first time that uh, the police came, the policemen were so skillful. It was very impressive, actually. It was very impressive. I thought, wow, that is skillful police work. And uh, basically, the guy wound up just getting up and walking away. And that was fine. And then the second time uh, they called the police, the two police who showed up, they were not skillful at all. They were just like totally, sir, I need you to stand up, sir, you know, yelling at him. It was like totally like comic book police behavior. And I thought, well, that's an interesting contrast right there between um, uh, someone who is prepared to deal with the situation in a kind of careful, slow way, and someone who was not at all. And uh, uh, th those sorts of distinctions are available to us. 
So in terms of, of our own response, um, if all we can do is bear witness, is stand there and watch, that's actually quite a lot. And in, in so doing, we may expose ourselves to various kinds of danger. Right? So, so there's no reason we don't have to be careful. So we should be careful. But sometimes just bearing witness is a, is a tremendous gift right there. And if that's all we can do, that's enough. Norbert's on. I just, <clears throat> excuse me. I just have a comment that one, I think one um, amazingly huge thing that everyone perhaps who looks like me or everyone can do, but especially um, white people is to try to um, notice um, things that may be very small and subtle and difficult to notice about yourself, which is like, for example, what line do I prefer? I'm in a store. What line do I prefer? Um, what's my internal immediate reaction to this person based on their appearance? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, in this case, the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. Uh, things like that, which are by no means easy. In fact, they're very difficult, I think, or at least they can be. Uh, that's huge for white people to do. So that's my comment. Yeah, It's a huge yeah. thing, an ongoing project. <laughs> it is a huge thing. It is an ongoing project, and it is part and parcel to our practice of the Buddha way. So, uh, you know, I encourage myself and all of us to to have that kind of practice whenever it's possible. And there will be times, there are times for me, when I drop the ball and I allow some, I don't know, irritation or habitual response to actually shape my behavior. And then, uh, well, and I need to notice that then when that happens. I wish the sun would stop shining in my eye. Here we go, okay. Um, so I, I make that commitment over and over again. Uh, Richard? Oh, hi, Reverend Leo. Um, I, I just wanted to mention that uh, my, my own experience is that as an individual, even a white individual, my ability to um, confront power in any organized way is very limited and uh, to do it in a, in a brazen way is kind of like Bambi walking into a lion's den. So I, I think especially for people of color, uh, it can be really hazardous. But I have noticed it in my past when I was involved with group movements like the labor movement and strikes and demonstrations that that was when people power made the most difference. Mm -hmm. And even when being arrested in a group, it could be organized in such a way by our handlers that mm -hmm. nobody got hurt. Uh -huh. So I, I really think the only effective way for individuals to confront organized power is to do it 
in groups in an organized way uh -huh. yes otherwise things can spiral out of control well and you're too easy to pick off as an individual yes you know? and that is certainly one of the strategies so I, I quite agree that's all I had to say yeah and uh, if my marching days weren't over I'd probably do more of that but um, I leave the marching to others nowadays. So. Anything else this morning? Any other comments? Thank you all for practicing the Buddha way. Uh, make sure you 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 save time for sitting down in stillness and and letting the universes melody manifest through you in, in stillness. Uh, this is, you can't, we can't, I can't do without that. So please, please make sure you still have time for that, no matter what else you do. Okay, well, I guess that's it for now.